Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. Today's program is the first of a two-part series looking at breaking barriers, women in security navigating career transitions. This discussion was moderated by Patty Cogswell, former TSA administrator, and features Mary Ellen Callahan, Chief of Staff, Office of the Deputy Secretary at the Department of Homeland Security, Kim Hutchinson, Assistant Administrator for Training and Development at TSA, and Tiffany Sargent, Chief Technologist for Cloud and Enterprise at Intel Inc. This program was recorded in conjunction with the HSDF Policy Symposium celebrating women in Homeland Security on March 30th, 2023. We are very excited to be here today on one of my favorite topics, career transitions. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever um, uh, thought about this topic in depth. So first off, we're going to start with a little audience survey. Um, I believe it's going to pop up on the screen momentarily for everybody. Oh, look at that. How cool. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to ask you three questions. If, uh, if you're going to just raise of hands, uh, how many of you have previously moved from uh, public service to private sector or reverse? <laughs> All right. Next question. How many have you have previously moved between agencies or between public sector entities? Pretty good amount. And the third question, and uh, sorry for any of you who have your bosses in the room. How many, <laughs> how many of you are considering a move sometime in the next three years? <laughs> Babies. <laughs> Excellent. You are the target demographic for this conversation. <laughs> So I always like to sort of start these conversations out with that mindset and mentality. Um, what I'm next going to do is ask each of our panelists to sort of uh, talk a little bit about the different types of transitions they have had within their careers. And Mary Ellen has a particularly cool one. So we're going to start with Mary Ellen. Thank you, Patty. Thank you all. It's great to be here. Um, you heard a little bit about my background. I uh, am a lawyer by training. I'm a privacy lawyer by specialty. I started in the privacy arena in 1999. So that makes me kind of the oldest privacy lawyer around. <laughs> um, and after about 10 years of doing that at, at Hogan and Hartson, um, I got an opportunity to come into DHS to take what is the best privacy job in the federal government. <laughs> uh, the chief privacy officer at DHS is, you know, we run our own office. We have our own budget. We have, I get to hire people like Tracy <laughs> Silas over there. And uh, we, we, I was able to do that. Um, served in Obama one. So 2009 to the end of 2012. Uh, and then went back into the private sector, back to a law firm uh, to Jenner and Block to stand up its privacy practice was there for about five years. Um, and then I got kind of an out of the, uh, out of the ordinary offer to come and join one of my clients, the Walt Disney company and to move to Los Angeles to join, be one of their privacy leaders. Um, which was a great opportunity. We can talk a little bit more about that, but top line or a bluff, as we say in the federal government, <laughs> I hate that phrase bluff. Um, DHS is a lot like D Disney. Uh, it's a large organization with eight different components that all think that they're their own special little sauce and that they're unique and, and don't need to listen to headquarters. But the people at Disney are funnier. Um, so, um, so that was four years at Disney, which is awesome and great. And living in California was great. And then there was COVID. And then I got a call to say, hey, would you like to come back to be the chief of staff to the deputy secretary, who's an extraordinary man named John Tien, who I didn't know at all who 
24 year army vet, um, 10 years in private sector, didn't know DHS at all. So they needed a chief of staff who knew DHS, which I did because the privacy office reviewed all of the data collection in the entire department. So got to prove all of that. Um, they wanted to have uh, he wanted to have a lawyer because he is not one. And uh, the administration suggested a woman. And I was like, I have all those skills. <laughs> yes, I would like to leave my high paying Disney job, move across the country in 20 days mm-hmm. and work for the federal government and come in every day to work in a skiff. Yes. sign me up. <laughs> and that is how I came back to DHS. <laughs> Kim, would you mind going next? Hi, thank you. And I'm so happy to be here today. This is a great topic for discussion. And I want to give a shout out to one of my old bosses, Kim Walton, who's in the room. She was a founding member of WE along with me. And in fact, I realized when I was sitting there, she promoted me to the current job I'm in. So thank you. Um, (laughs) See, everybody needs Kim Walton in their lives. So thank you. And I just say, this is the most comfortable podium I've ever been on. Absolutely. (laughs) We're not in a government setting right now. I don't know if it'll be back. I'm very comfortable. So um, thank you, Pat. <laughs> yeah, so um, I am a 30-year, almost 31-year federal employee. I have not made a transition beyond um, the federal government, but it's a very big government. And um, I live in Washington, D.C. I was born here. So for me, it sort of, you know, met all my needs along the way. Now I'm kind of getting a little older. I'm 55 today. So I am thinking... She told us not to out her, by the way. (laughs) It's it's healthy to talk about this because I think it's part of making a transition. As you get older, it's something everybody should think about. And honestly, you should think about it before you're 55. It's um, because it takes a while. Um, You know, I know we're going to be talking about, you know, change management and mindset. But um, Mm -hmm. anyway, um, so I had been working at the department for 20 years. I started the DHS CFO's office. I have a resource background. That was a great place to start. TSA was my component. It was the crazy days of sort of standing up um, the department. So it was wild. Um, So I got to see things from the beginning. And then I just fell in love with the mission. So um, I moved over to TSA. Um, So I've been there the last um, 18 years almost. And I've had six jobs in that time. And my transitions really have been almost prompted by conditions changing, so we say. (laughs) A leadership change, a political change. Um, These are all things we experience in government. And many times, um, you know, things happen pretty quickly. And I, you know, again, I'm giving advice to myself to have a good plan when those things change, right? So when your boss says, hey, what do you think you might want to do next? Because I'm out of here. We just had an election you've kind of got a couple of places to land. So I think um, I didn't do that well in that regard, but I've learned from from that. But um, so those are my um, sort of key transitions. I've been in this job now, um, gosh, five years. So, you know, I think this is another piece of thinking about when is the right time to make a transition. I love my job. I'm the head of training at TSA. So it's very dynamic, always changing. So it doesn't sort of feel like the job I took when I took it, um, which has brought me a lot of variety. But I think the next, you know, one to three years, probably my time to, to do something different. Tiffany, round us out. All right. So hi, everybody. I'm super excited to be part of this today. Um, as part of my journey, um, I did get a chance to work with some of the different groups within DHS. And I'll share a little bit more about that. But let me just kind of talk about how I am here and in one of the opportunity statements that I think is really important, which is, you know, manage your future, manage your change and be proactive about it and kind of be on the lookout. So that's been kind of a, a theme of my whole career. So thinking about Intel, I've had 18 different jobs in 29 years. Now that's a lot 
lot of transition and a lot of change. And I kind of think about it in three different tranches. The first tranche was when I first started right after grad school is what I call the junior bear engineering phase, right? Where, you know, I developed this early adoptive IoT system. I worked in manufacturing. Intel manufacturing is, is the bread and butter of the company. And I spent five years there. And at one point they said, you've been here too long. We're going to ask you to go do something else because there's nothing more you can learn and contribute. You know, you kind of, kind of peaked. And so that was kind of like my first realization. Okay. I've got to be on the lookout for, for the next great thing. Then I went to divisions and corporate IT. I worked in home products division. I worked on some of the first Silicon system on a chip programs. I worked in IT. I worked in security. Some of the first times Intel was hit with some of these scary viruses back in the day. And I worked in enterprise IT. And as I was on that journey, I got an opportunity to manage a silicon program. So actually a chip that came out of Intel I was responsible for and worked on some of the validation techniques and how to do that. And one day as I was thinking about looking ahead, this really unique opportunity happened. I was walking this career booth at a Society of Women Engineers um, event. And there was this woman standing there saying, hey, there's this opportunity to go work at a federal agency for two years, and you should apply for this. I think you're a great candidate, and it's run through AAAS. They're called Science and Policy, Science and Technology Policy Fellows. And so they said it's a nine-month vetting process, similar to like the first speaker. You apply, and you just wait and wait and wait, right? And so <laughs> I applied, and I kept getting to the next round and the next round, and eventually it was like the finals. And I had to say to my boss, Hey, I got to go to DC for the week. Cause I think I might get this really cool fellowship. Anyways, I did. And I got placed at national science foundation. So for two years, I was there, um, as an Intel employee. So that was kind of like my, my second tranche. And then when I was done, I learned so much about the federal government. I just loved it that I, instead of going back to what they call the back room of engineering at Intel, I went out to sales and marketing. So I became this engineer that was like this backroom person making stuff, spent two years at NSF. And now, and for the last seven years, I've been in sales and marketing. So Mark Valsich, my colleague over there, um, he was one of the first people I supported. He now is the director of civilian for um, Intel. And we would go to agencies and I would tell them about all the cool things that they could use technology for. And so from there, I went to work on a variety of other um, system integrator problems. And today I am responsible for figuring out how Intel can help everyone use the cloud and basically upgrade their enterprise systems to be safe, secure, sustainable, and efficient. So that's my journey. It's great. Um, so part of the reason we love talking about this is, is there's uh, what I found when I talk to people about this, a series of kind of reasons people either are apprehensive or excited about the idea of a career transition. Um, and one of the most important things I have found to that is how people assess risk, risk to yourself, risk to your career, risk to your family situation, um, a variety of different things. So what I'd like to next talk, spend a bit about, you know, recognizing that everybody here has made quite different transitions <laughs> over their careers is a little bit on how they think about risk. So I'll just note, you know, one of the things I have often sort of said to people when, when people have asked me about it is I say, I always look at sort of three things. First is, do you feel like you're growing every day and you make a difference? Are you positioned to be effective? Do you have the backing of your management, your leadership and the people around you? Do you like who you work with? If any of those don't hold true, take a look. Think about what you might else do. 
you can still stay where you are. Nobody said you had to move, right? You can always say, yeah, right now I've looked around based on what's available. I'm better off here. But every so often, just take that look. That network you build then, even if you don't exercise it right then, is the network that will help you when you then get ready to move. They'll love thinking about you. They'll understand what you care about. They'll understand what you're interested in, and they will help you land well. The piece I would last say is the first couple changes are the most scary. <laughs> Once you've done it and done it well a couple times, you're like, eh. <laughs> I will say my last couple of ones, it's like, hey, if it doesn't work, it's okay. I'll just, I'm employable. It's all right. <laughs> and it's just very freeing at that point. <laughs> um, but I remember those first ones. And, and I remember one in particular very, very early on where my husband literally said to me, because at the time uh, he was, he was working part-time. I was the full-time. I had the health insurance. He literally said, do I need to go back to work full-time? So we know we have health insurance. <laughs> Now he doesn't worry about that. <laughs> He's like, I trust you. <laughs> it all goes from there. All right. With that, I'm going to this time look um, to say each of you made different transitions. Talk a little bit about your thought process uh, in the choices you made. And I think this time we're starting with Tiffany. So I love this question. And the reason I love it is that I thought for years about how to make moves across Intel. So a couple thoughts that I'll come to mind before I directly answer the question. First to Intel, we have a lot of change, especially when you're in product development. So one of the key things that we've always kind of said is a mantra. And one of the things that's been passed down to me from my mentors and something I passed down to others, so I want to pass it down to you, is really around always be nice to everybody because the person who <laughs> you work for today... Um, maybe your peer later, but more importantly, the people who work for you today may be your boss later. So I think the the, the key kind of mantra was around, hey, really treat everyone with respect and, and really look at what is everyone's strengths and what is everyone's weaknesses and realize everyone's got both of them. And so think about how you partner. And the second thing was really around what I call the flamingo model. So when you're assessing risk, and you're looking across, should I change jobs or shouldn't I change jobs, especially when you're in tech or whether you're in business, I think it also applies equally, is do you know 50% of the job and do you have as the flamingo one good foot down? So I always have kind of thought about this kind of teeter-totter. So if I knew the technology, but I didn't know the business, I thought, hey, I've got, I've got this one foot down or vice versa. If I knew the business, let's say I was moving from one type of, you know, technology in, a, in the same business environment, could I put the other foot down and maybe learn the new technology? So as I talked about it, about 18 moves, I've always envisioned myself as this big, fluffy pink flamingo, kind of going back and forth, back and forth on each one of those, those types of, you know, firm feet, you know, as they stand with one kind of tucked. And then eventually I'd, I'd untuck the other. So <laughs> if you look at like my tuck and move kind of motion is being this like puffy flink pink flamingo as I've moved across. I've always had this vision of being on a gerbil wheel, looking at how to learn, but then assessing the risk of what foot could I lift up? What could, foot could I put down? And by always having one 50% of my risk covered, that's been my journey. Right. Notice Nobody, her, her nails are pink. My nails gonna... are pink. <laughs> from now on, everybody's just going to remember Flamingo, right? Okay. <laughs> Mary Ellen. Um, 
Yeah, I I endorse both what Patty and, and Tiffany said. I mean, I think those are really good advices. The way I think about it and the lens I apply is I do a pro and con list. I'm a lawyer. I like to write things. I like to write it down <laughs> and check it off. Um, we all have our OCD, I like to say. And mine is pro and con list. And it's really funny because I really feel like the pro and con list shows you what the answer is, mm. right? Like when you write it down, you're like, okay, all right, how are we going to do this? And so I find that to be a particularly helpful thing for me. And that's what I always advise my my folks to do. I have two small stories. One is um, I totally agree that like, take that opportunity, take the interview, even if you're not interested, like we all have done it and it's worthwhile. You make the connections, you go and reassess where you are. I like to do a little like happy birthday check of like, am I happy? Do you know, am I supported? Mm-hmm. All the questions that Patty said, maybe, uh, you know, basically, and I do it like every year around my birthday, hmm. kind of oh. be like, okay, well, how are we doing here? Are we advancing? Are we doing this? Um, and I had, um, I had a, a, a colleague of mine from Hogan who called me when I was at Disney and he said, I'm at, and I'll tell the name I'm at SpaceX and I need one lawyer to does, who does privacy and they have to do all these different skills. They have to be a telecom privacy lawyer and they have to be an international privacy lawyer and da, 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 da. And I said, and I want them in LA. And I said, there's one person who can do that. And that person works for me at Disney. And he has all the skills that you need. He is not a, you know, he's a little older than the senior associate that you were going to buy, get from a <laughs> law firm. Um, and I said, you should talk to him. And I thought for sure he wasn't going to take the job because I was like, we're going to beat him. And then once it got laid in front of him, I said, well, you need to take the job, right? Like you've got to promote good people and you've got to give them that opportunity. And you got, and when they go and make that decision, you got to support them. You know, you have to go and say, this is, uh, this is what to do. And then, uh, my second small story is, is just recently, I randomly got an offer to move back to Los Angeles and I, it's not a flamingo. The way I was thinking about the job is, <laughs> is like, again, the pro and con list, I, I kind of laid it all out, but, um, it was also looking, the thing I like to do is look at the skills I have and what skills I want to get in the next job. Right. So what, what am I good at now? And what do I want to build to in the next job? Which are kind of similar to your questions, Patty. Um, but, uh, this job that I interviewed for was amazing. And the title was amazing. It would have been an awesome title. My skill sets were like two degrees away from what they needed. And I could have done it and I could have been really good at it, but two degrees away to me, it feels like, like I might be like picking up the other foot on the flamingo, (laughs) um, because there's a possibility I was going to miss. Like it was one degree away. I'll take it and, and do it all day long. But because it was two degrees away, there could have been a gap. And I ended up thinking about that and I was okay with the risk itself. But what I realized at the end of the day, looking at my pro con list was I wanted the title, not the job. Mm. And that's actually was the answer for me. And so I declined and I'm not moving back to Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Kim. Okay. Now I feel like I've got to have a bird analogy. So (laughs) on the spot here, I'm going to go with an eagle. (laughs) I love to watch eagles fly because they soar. So mm-hmm. I'm certainly going to look for somewhere I can soar. I can continue to grow, move, mm-hmm. but that I don't maybe have to flap my wings too hard, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I am at a point in my career. I already told you how old I was where I've sort of turned and burned very hard up until this point. So I think my next gig, I want to look for a place that, you know, I can still learn, still be high impact, but maybe not have to flap as hard. <laughs> and, um, I think that, um, the other thing that I would consider when I'm making a move is sort of where I am at life in my life. So I'm at a different point in my life than I was say 15 years ago. I would not be sort of giving the same advice because I had two kids at home that I was trying to launch and get through college. So I think, you know, that risk piece has to look at where you are in your life. Um, and then the last thing I think in the sort of thinking about moving from, you know, public to private, private back to public, 
it's money. I mean, I think paycheck is important, right? For everybody, no matter where you are in life. And I think, you know, especially if you're a long-term government employee, I know exactly what I'm going to make every two weeks. I know exactly probably what I'm going to make within a year next year. I think when you move out of government, it's much less clear. So I think having those conversations and understanding, you know, are you willing to take maybe a little less money knowing that big things may come, which is something in the government we don't really consider, you know, we're not profit-based. So that's, I think, a different calculation and something that you have to look at the numbers when you're making a move. And on the number piece, if I could. So I was a a partner at two law firms. And when I went to Disney, I did not understand the metrics. And so if you are going into a position where, where it's a different environment, a partnership, a company, whatever it may be, talk to people who have that, that experience to understand, like, what does this mean when they say it's, you know, is it a restricted stock? Is it, are they options? Are they this? Are they that? Um, cause I, I literally didn't understand what they were saying to me. Cause at, at the law firm, they would just pay you and you're like, thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I think it's important to understand what those metrics are and kind of what the calculations are and the time value of money and that sort of thing. And, and I want to add something to that, that great point that you just said is, is one of the things that I found myself coaching people that are coming to, let's say companies is around what level you come in at. Yeah. So a lot of the federal government, um, having been at NSS, I was exposed to, there's a lot of standards with that in private there's a lot of space where you can negotiate a different level, um, have a a different salary. The one thing you want to avoid is coming in too low because Mm -hmm. wherever you come in, it's going to be a really hard slug up. So I think find people who have worked in the industry who understand the ranges. If you can find people who've worked at the company to say, hey, what level should I come in at? Because I've seen people who have come from outside of industry or or even federal, honestly, who've come in really, really low and it's really unfair. And then they really can't ever make it up without spending the years there. So I think or if they move to it, they have to move to another company company and then jump and jump and things like that. So be cautious in that it's a positive opportunity to move around, but just go in, like you said, eyes wide open on the compensation types and also the grade levels. Really important points all. And uh, I appreciate the advice on, on the salary side. Um, uh, I jokingly said is when I left government, I, I remember very clearly the place I am actually working now. And the person who, who became my boss was like, okay, what's, what is your, what is your level? What do you are looking for? And I was like, I I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and bless his heart he was really nice about it <laughs> and i finally came back with a number and he, he helped me go go forward for there so i i do think um hugely important get get good advice on that the other part is really think about at various points in life as you said what is most important to you at that moment in time um sometimes it is absolutely the like this is these are the years i i need to max my salary sometimes it can absolutely be nope my my kids are launched, my family, my whatever obligations I have, everybody's in a good health place. I don't, I, I, you know, it matters most to me that now's the time I'm going to take a risk on me and do something really cool that I've never done before, but I always wanted to do. Like figure out where you are mentally in that place. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF, the podcast on every major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum and HSDF, the podcast. (laughs) 